Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Monday, April 13, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's social distancing at home. I'm social distancing at home, and it's been a busy and meaningful you know, past few days on the who's staying, who's going front as it relates to the NBA draft. On Friday, Creighton's Tyshawn Alexander announced he's in the NBA draft, and then on Monday, Kentucky's Emmanuel quickly announced he's in the NBA draft. Neither is a projected first-round pick. Now, Tyshawn Alexander is leaving the option of returning to Creighton on the table, although by his own admission, he's like 70-30 out the door. So he's not definitely gone, but it's reasonable to assume he's likely gone. Same as quickly is definitely gone. Kentucky was number two in the top 25-1 and one, under the assumption quickly would be back. Creighton was number three in the top 25-1 and one, under the assumption Alexander would be back. Now those schools, they're number nine and number 10, respectively. And Norlander, we've talked about this before, but I guess it's worth repeating. Year in and year out, these are the types of decisions that shape the top of the sport. The schools that compete for the national title are often schools that get legitimate NBA prospects to return to school. So in, in that regard, uh, this has been a tough little stretch for Kentucky and Creighton, hasn't it? Yeah, I I expected Creighton to lose Alexander only because, and it's still not definite, and I'll also include that because of the uncertain nature surrounding everything with the NBA draft, no one knowing if it's going to eventually happen as scheduled because maybe the NBA season gets canceled, then why would you push the draft back? Or if it gets pushed back regardless of whether the season gets canceled or not, or even put into mid to late August, all that stuff, I think brings about the possibility that players in a normal season that would have otherwise gone might wind up returning. I don't think that's going to be the case with Alexander because of how good defensively he is, and he's proven to be year over year a pretty valuable offensive player. Now, because of that, Creighton just takes a little bit of a ding. It's still a a strong team. Where do you have Creighton in your repurposed, repositioned 5.0, top 25 and 1? Where did you move them to? Where are they now? I think we are actually up to 6.0 now. Okay. And uh, so Creighton is now uh, – Kentucky's now number nine yep. under the assumption they lose Emmanuel quickly and also Nick Richards. Creighton is now number 10 under the assumption that Tyshawn Alexander remains in the NBA draft. All right. And and so you had Creighton two or three before? I had Kentucky two and Creighton three, That's so they both yeah. dropped seven spots. Okay. Um, by the way, yeah, you're at six point oh. Uh, you should keep this up because I do think if I'm setting the over under at twenty three point five, I'm actually going to take the over for your off season rankings. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, the fact that you're already at six point oh on April thirteenth, uh, check back in in a week, and we might be uh, closing in on version nine or ten. There, it is a. It's it's a ding for Creighton, but it still brings back a lot. Like still should definitely definitely be a team that's right there, uh, close with Nova to contend for the for the Big East. And then Kentucky, 
man, quickly, he deserve, he should chase – he's gone. And after being one of the most improved year-over-year players in the country, why would you not? He had an opportunity, his right to, pa- to pass on it, but, man, he had an opportunity to, like, potentially be a player of the year next season, depending on, you know, other guys that could go, could come back. Luca Garza, is he going to come back? We still wait on – Draft decisions from guys we expect that could come back uh, and be good, like Devon Dotson. You mentioned Richards, probably going to go. Would think uh, Malachi Flynn, what he does. Point being, quickly would have been in that conversation, being the SEC Player of the Year. So it is a hit for a Kentucky team that brings in a good, good class. But it's losing enough guys here. Lost Johnny Juzang to UCLA as well. So... I'm, I'll be interested to see what Kentucky eventually looks like. Uh, you know, if you're a UK fan, I know you were hoping just, all right, Quickly or Richards, let us keep one of the two. And I thought Quickly was more likely of the two to be the one that returns, but that doesn't like it looks like it's going to be a case. So you didn't ask me this explicitly, GP, but I will say that losing Quickly to me is more damaging to Kentucky than Alexander being lost at Creighton. I think that's probably true just because – I mean, there you go, just totally restarting from scratch again at UK. Like, at least at Creighton, they were they return presumably every other important piece from a team that was the number one seed in the Big East tournament. At Kentucky, now you lose Emmanuel quickly. We're saying you lose Nick Richards. You lose Tyrese Maxey. You lose Ashton Hagens. You lose Nate Sestina. You lose uh, Johnny Juzang. Uh, leading returning scorer. EJ Montgomery, six <laughs> one points. I mean, that's just you're just starting over now. Yeah, they bring in David Mintz from Creighton. Um, they've got the number one recruiting class in America, three five star prospects in that. So like, they're still going to be good, but um, the best John Calipari teams have been teams that return some meaningful pieces, and you're just not returning a meaningful piece now. I mean, maybe EJ Montgomery can have. You know, the, the type of jump that Nick Richards had, you know, you know, you know I'm, I'm not ruling anything out. Um, you know, they're still involved in the yeah. transfer market. Matt Harms from Purdue has cut his list to 10 and Kentucky is obviously on it. But, it, you know, it's just starting all over again. It's just tough. It, it doesn't mean you can't win a national championship. It just means that you don't usually win a national championship. And this is. Now the fourth consecutive year, I looked it up this morning, where Kentucky is losing its top four scores. Fourth consecutive year. Now, usually, they at least two of them are first-round draft picks. Um, in fact, every year that John Calipari's been at Kentucky, he has lost multiple first-round draft picks. And yet this year, it doesn't look like he's going to, but he's still losing four players early to the NBA draft because the only one projected to go in the first round, Tyrese Maxey, uh, the other three quickly Richards and um, Hagens all projected second round picks. If they get picked at all. Uh, Is Kentucky too high in your rankings now because of this? Well, I I would just say that, I mean, maybe, I mean, listen, uh, you know, Kentucky, one way to describe Kentucky is, they won the SEC by multiple games. The other way to describe Kentucky is they finished 29th at Ken Palm. You know? They did. They you know, did. they're losing yeah. the top four scores from a team that was barely top 30 at Ken Palm, and they are re- they're, they're replacing it with, listen, some incredible freshmen. Um, I, you know, I, but 
I mean, when you don't bring back meaningful P, it's just tough. It's I, I, here, here's what I would think. Here would be my assumption. Kentucky will be preseason right around top 10. And if you want to have them lower than that, by all means, that, that, that's not where I'm going to start picking a fight with you. Um, they will, in November, December, perhaps in early January, have a little stretch where you go, is this even a top 25 team? And then by March, um, they'll look like a legitimate Final Four contender. That is what Kentucky built like this typically is. Uh, maybe. And listen, this is going to be putting the cart 200 yards in front of the horse here. But everyone's gone except Montgomery. Even the guys that weren't con- big contribute, Keon Brooks, Khalil Whitney, who's going trying to become a pro here. Like, and I understand he left during the season. I guess, but they're they're all gone. Higgins, Maxi, Quickly, Richards, Brooks, Whitney, Sestina, Juzang. The only guy is Montgomery, and I would think that he's got a return there. I don't. I couldn't put Kentucky preseason top fifteen. Now you bring in Davion Mintz. Okay, so he's going to have to step up and be a huge dude. Here's Davion Mintz last last season, season before I should say nine point seven points, three rebounds, three assists, shot forty two percent from the field, thirty five percent from three. He's a solid player. Not convinced that he's going to be the kind of guy that can step in at Kentucky and and be that much more, that much better than what he was at Creighton. Keep an eye on that. I think. Kentucky getting harms, and I don't know if it will. I have no idea Like if, if Kentucky is perceived to be in the top three to get him or what, how that actually stands. But getting him would actually go a long way, in my opinion, at, at validating Kentucky as a preseason top 15 kind of team, in, including a very good class coming in. But we've seen this plenty of times before. I would just... Uh, I would pump the brakes a little bit on them, uh, and then we see what will happen with Harms. If they don't get Harms, see what other transfer they might wind up picking up here or there. It'll uh, it'll be intriguing. But, yeah, I know this isn't a total shock for Kentucky in general, uh, but when you look at it, and I haven't done the research here, but i got to think this is as drastic of a turnover year over year. I know Kentucky it's old hat, but, you know, you lose everyone except one. One guy that was getting actual minutes there, and so that'll that'll prove to be a, a significant challenge for John Calipari. And on some level, I know him. I listen. This is how he has uh, turned Kentucky into a gargantuan power, and it's it's why Calipari is going to be can say now and will be able to retire whenever that is and saying, I recruited and coached more future NBA players than any coach in the history of college basketball. That's a pretty awesome thing. But with that, you also get these kind of uh, headaches, not the right word, GP, but just it's just, you know, constantly, just constantly. The, the Jenga tower is falling apart and you're just building it again and again year over year. And next year will be a challenge. It's a hard way to make $10 million a year. <laughs> I can acknowledge that. Like, it's, it must be exhausting. Like, you're just constantly having to start over. And you have an, an incredible advantages you're starting over with. Uh, you know, one of the most talented rosters in the country – um, in most seasons, but like starting over is every year is very difficult. And like you say, this is old hat at Kentucky. This is life in Lexington. But I will say the thing that makes this different is that it is one thing when you lose two first round picks, three first round picks, four first round picks, five first round picks. It's one thing when you lose your top four scores and only one of them is projected to go in the first round. Like more often than not over the years, John Calipari has been able to get the second round picks to come back to school. I don't I shouldn't say more often than not, but like often he's able to get the second round picks to come back to school. You put them with a first round with a number one recruiting class. Now you're ready to go. This year he's like, you know, he loses three projected 
second round picks. That's 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 tough. Like you don't have to cry for Kentucky; they'll be fine. But that's tough. I, I mentioned that um, more that, that year after year. What we find is that the teams that are competing for national titles are often teams that benefit from this in the way that Kentucky and Creighton seem to be getting hurt by this. You know, in other words, legitimate NBA prospects coming back to school. Like, they could reasonably leave, just like Emmanuel Quickly, Nick Richards, Tyshawn Alexander could reasonably leave, but they decide to come back to school. And if you just look at college basketball this past season, that's the top of the sport. Like, I I went and pulled the Ken Palm rankings, final Ken Palm standings. Kansas was number one. They were led by Devon Dotson. Who, could, who would have been at the least a second-round pick after his freshman season but decided to come back to school. He helped Kansas finish first in, uh, at Ken Palm, and, and they would have been the favorite to win the 2020 NCAA tournament. Dayton. You know, Obi Toppin would have been a second-round pick at, the, at worst if he entered the 2019 NBA draft, decides to go back to Dayton for a second year. Dayton finishes fourth at Ken Palm. Trey Jones could have been a first-round pick after his freshman year, decides to come back to Duke. Duke finishes fifth at Ken Palm. Cassius Winston would have been a borderline, like he, and I bounced this, by the way, I'm not just spitballing here. I bounced all of this off of multiple people, including our old pal, Sam Vecini. Um, Cassius Winston could have been a, you know, a, a second round pick, certainly could have gotten a, some sort of professional contract, decides to come back to Michigan State. Michigan State finishes seventh at Ken Palm. Jordan Wara, second round pick in 2019, if he wanted to be, decides to come back to Louisville, and Louisville finishes ninth at Ken Palm. Jalen Smith could have been picked somewhere if he wanted to in 2019, decides to come back to Maryland. Maryland finishes 11th at Ken Palm. In other words, six of the top 11 in Ken Palm's final standings benefited from a legitimate NBA prospect returning to school. If you are trying to figure out who's going to compete for the national championship, look for that pattern. Because 2017 national champion, North Carolina benefited from Justin Jackson coming back to school. 2008 national champion Villanova benefited from Jalen Brunson and Mikel Bridges coming back to school. 2019 champion Virginia benefited from DeAndre Hunter coming back to school. There's a trend here, and Kentucky and Creighton at this moment are on the wrong side of it heading into the next season. Yeah, I would uh, argue – that Obi Toppin would not have been drafted a year ago, and I would put him in the same conversation that you just uh, put with Winston there. Uh, he was definitely a rising prospect. I don't expect that if, we had, if we'd gone alternate universe that he would have been there. But regardless, I, I, the point I, is I, he I, became one just, in general. Let me just say this. Um, Sam Vecini, our old colleague who now works at The Athletic, um, when I asked him about Toppin, he said – and he like his job is to deal with the draft. That's right. what he does. He said that multiple NBA teams – were trying to get Toppin to stay in with a second-round promise, and he decided to, quote, bet on himself, come back to school. But that, according to Sam, at the very least, Toppin would have been picked. All right, well, Sam's obviously on this podcast, and he'll have a chance to speak up for himself (laughs) later on uh, during the show here. Um, And that might be possible. The point is he became one regardless there. If you look at the end-of-season Pomeroy standings, um, if you look inside the top 15, Florida State uh, has it. 
Uh, BYU doesn't, but they're almost <laughs> the exception to the rule. And it's not like Yoli Childs I put his name in, so he's they do they do have a prospect there. But BYU is an exception in general whenever they can get good because they uh, just half the roster is always at least 21 years old, and there's a certain advantage uh, to that in general. Um, West Virginia finished 10th. It's actually bringing back. Uh, Culver, Deuce McBride, and Oscar Shibway. So it'll be intriguing to see a year from now how WVU uh, presumably will have been helped by such a decision there. And you know they have guys who I think uh, can eventually transform into NBA prospects. And then the only one that's not really the case uh, of all the teams you mentioned is Ohio State. Uh, you know Caleb Wesson's gonna gonna chase uh, a pro career, uh, get all that. I I don't even know if he's. I've lost track of who's declared and who hasn't, honestly. But um, I was told that uh, that is definitely happening. So if it hasn't happened yet, I would anticipate it soon, along with other guys that we haven't heard from yet, like Jade McDaniel's at Washington, Cole Anthony at Carolina, um, Jamias Ramsey, Texas Tech. We mentioned Richards and Dotson. On on and on it goes. Uh, but Ohio State's the only one. That really didn't have uh, that finished top ten, top fifteen in Ken Palm, and didn't really have a, a viable, I think, uh, you know, pro prospect surefire thing. Wesson was a really good player, um, can shoot, but I, I'm just not, I'm not convinced with him there. But you're right about the the points you make, GP, with Creighton and Kentucky specifically, and this is what it really boils down to when it comes to, when you get to coaching at a power conference level how you recruit and how you assemble your roster obviously you want to get guys in that can go on to be pros because few things are as impactful in you getting players than you saying look who we brought in and look where they wound up okay guys need to see oh other guys have gone to that place and, be, and gone to the nba so the machine kind of feeds itself that way and so with that when you have that talent not always but uh you know the majority of the time you are going to be able to have uh, a situation that enables you to be a top seed and there and helps your chances of winning a national championship. Like I pointed out, six of the top 11 at Ken Palm benefited from legitimate NBA prospects returning to school. Only two teams at most in the top 11 were led by freshmen this past season. Six of the top 11 led by legitimate NBA prospects who came back to school. Only two of the top 11 at most were led by freshmen. One is a team you mentioned, West Virginia, Oscar Shibwe. And the other, depending on how you want to discuss Duke, you know, Duke had Vernon Carey. So you could yeah. say that Duke was led by Vernon Carey instead of Trey Jones. But either way, um, it certainly broke down a certain way, which, and I'll, I'll bottom line this with this, um, you know, there, there's some still some massive decisions out there that could impact the top of the sport. Like at Gonzaga, Philip Petrusha, Corey Kispert, second round picks. Are they coming back to school? If they do, Gonzaga should be preseason number one. If they don't, maybe not. At Villanova, does Sadiq Bey withdraw from the NBA draft? If he does, Villanova could be preseason number one. If he doesn't, they're still going to be very good. But if he yeah. doesn't, um, probably not preseason number one. Um, at Iowa, I think we all assume Luca Garza is going to withdraw from the draft, but he'll have to withdraw from the draft. At Kansas, like Devon Dotson still, you know, like we talk about Devon Dotson like he's gone, and I suspect that he is, but it's not like he's going to lottery pick. He's a second-round pick. Does he want to come back to school? If he does, maybe Kansas is preseason uh, uh, number one. So there's still some, some big-time decisions out there that could impact uh, the top of the sport, and as they um, become official one way or another, uh, we'll obviously address them on this podcast. Meantime, Stanford 
Got a commitment from five-star wing Zaire Williams on Sunday. How good are the Cardinal going to be next season? We'll get into that next. But first, let me tell you about Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on, never relaxing? I know I do, and that is no way to live. It's important to turn off every once in a while. And Coors Light, perfect for that. It's Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. There's only one beer literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. As the summer months draw closer, you're going to want cold refreshments. Coors Light is perfect for that. It's brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Born in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, 1978 Coors Light is refreshing, crisp, and only 102 calories. So it's healthy. That's why Coors Light's the beer I choose. When I need to relax, you should choose it too. So when you want to reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. It's Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, just 102 calories. And always remember to celebrate responsibly. That's Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So big news for Stanford on Sunday. Got a commitment from five-star wing Zaire uh, Williams on Sunday. Played at Sierra Canyon with Bronny James. And so now Stanford, interesting situation here. Uh, probably a little off most people's radar until they add a big piece like Zaire Williams. But depending on what Tyrell Terry does, and he's entered the NBA draft but left open the option of returning to school. And he's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Projected second-round pick who could reasonably stay in the draft or reasonably return to school. If he returns to school, Stanford would return the top six scores from a team that finished top 45 at Ken Palm and they would be adding a five-star wing in Zion Zaire Williams to that equation. You a believer in the Cardinal if Terry comes back? I'm a believer that over the next year, at least 30 times on this podcast, we are going to accidentally say Zion Williamson instead of Zaire Williams. <laughs> well, the other thing, as I'm reading his name, he spells it just it's too much going on. Z-I-A-I-R-E. Yeah, it's just too much, man. Zaire Williams, and uh, we won't be the only ones. The the Zion Williamson flubs are coming hot and heavy over the next twelve months or so. Um, you I, know what else I struggle with? Like in terms of names, just um, uh, okay. So what was it? Tyus Jones and Trey Jones. For whatever reason, I still those still get mixed up in my head sometimes. Uh, that's that's yeah, that's obvious. I understand why. Yeah, and then there's. Trey Young, I get confused with somebody. Who do I get Trey Young confused with? Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> yes, it is Killian Tilly. Um, I don't. There was, but Trey Young, I would often say something other than Trey Young for whatever reason. I don't know who it is. Now. I hear you. Um, I I do love this though. I love Stanford getting a five star guy. When I did, it might, my... it might also be Trey Jones. It might be I confuse Trey Jones with Tyus Jones or Trey Young. I just got a lot of problems with Trey's. <laughs> okay. When I did my top 101 tournament games, you know, going through the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, I was reintroduced with just how awesome for about an eight, nine year run Stanford was. And by awesome, I mean Stanford for almost a decade under Mike Montgomery was a top 10 program in America. It turned into a powerhouse. Uh, I don't know if it can ever truly get back to that point, but it's got a really good shot at being a top 10, top 15 team next season. Now, I remember we have talked the Cardinal on a couple of podcasts over the previous five months. And every time we would talk about him, it would start with some optimism and then they'd go play terribly because their record didn't, it, their record was gaudier than their, where they placed in the projective metrics. And we came to find out why that was the case there. So we'll see, you know, you bring back a lot, uh, so much of your, your scoring rebounding, 
defense, all that good stuff if you're Jared Haas. And Stanford will be in a position next season. It'll be one of, GP, maybe three or four teams in a power conference that will be standing on the doorstep of its most anticipated season in more than a decade, more than 15 years. That will be the case with the Cardinal there. Um, Williams is a 6'7 uh, wing. Uh, you mentioned he played at um, Sierra Canyon. And, yeah, it's Stanford beats out big boys and, and keeps them in state, and that's fantastic. So they've got four pledges in the class, according to 247 Sports' Evan Daniels. Um, they're also bringing a four-star named Max Morell and two three-star guys named Noah Tates and Brandon Angel. So uh, big-time move for the Cardinal. Now, you put them in your top 25 and one because of this. Where are they now ranked? I believe I have them at 24. Um, I dropped LSU after Trendon Watford announced he's in the draft and seemed to suggest that he ain't coming back. So I dropped LSU down to 25. So the top of the top 25 and one now is number one, Gonzaga, number two, Baylor, number three, Villanova, number four, Virginia, number five, Houston. Um, the bottom would be number 20, Texas, number 21, UCLA, number 22, Oregon, number 23, Rutgers, number 24, Stanford, number 25, LSU, number 26, Florida State. And because people are always asking, uh, I, I pointed it out in one of the recent versions of the top 25 and one. Stanford going in pushes Arkansas down to what would be number 27. Florida would right now be number 28. Indiana would be number 29. And Louisville would be number 30 if I actually did a top 25 and 5. All right, there we have it. Now, Stanford, by the way, finished the season 20-12. and 12. Something to keep in mind going forward. We'll see how last season's team reflects this next season's team. But it went 11-2 and two against a non-conference schedule that ranked 301 in the country and lost its games to the two best teams it played uh, against Kansas that got romped, and that was a home loss for Stanford, and then it lost to Butler. And then in Pac-12 play, it went 9-9. Nine and nine, and that, In fact played a Pac-12 tournament game before the season ended um, on Wednesday, March 11th. It lost uh, to a bad Cal team going forward. Williams, by the way, represents the best recruiting get for the program since the likes of, I guess, Josh Childress. I mean, it has been a long, long time. And Childress would have been like 02, 03. Maybe the Lopez twins. I, I don't know where they were ranked, but one of those two it's been it's been a long time since Stanford got a uh, a significant uh commitment from a from such a highly regarded player like this so it'll um it'll be it'll be a fun interesting season for the Cardinal who should probably be a top 10 to top 15 defense in America next season they finished the season 7th in points per possession allowed at the end of the season the Lopez twins were studs coming out of high school. Just a random story real quick. I remember talking to Mark Fox once upon a time. He used to work for, for Trent Johnson. And Trent got the Stanford job. And as Foxy tells the story, at, you know, right after he gets the job, you know, when you get a new job, you're certainly, particularly if it's a, a level up, you're recruiting at a new level. You're suddenly uh, targeting people you would have never targeted at your other job. And Trent was like, uh, Foxy, what do you know about these Lopez twins? And he was like, you should definitely recruit them. <laughs> They're good enough. <laughs> They're good enough. <laughs> and so uh, they end up playing uh, at, at Stanford. So, yeah, the Zaire Williams um, uh, commitment is, is you know, a, a big-time gift for Stanford and the type of thing that it's going to give them a chance to not only be preseason ranked but also compete at the, uh, you know, at the top of the Pac-12, maybe even win a, a Pac-12 title. Norlander, he says he's got something fun to close the podcast with. What is it? I have no idea. We'll get to it next. But first, 
Check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So as we were planning the podcast, and by planning, I mean like just trying to figure out a window in which we can get it done um, with uh, our, our families uh, completely at home with no exceptions, um, Norlander sent me a text. He said, hey, I've got something that I'll hit you with. Uh, uh, just make room for it. And so this is me making room for it. Hit me with something, Norlander. I got two things. First of all, we got to do some house cleaning on the season here. We just haven't had it between just the insanity of the end of the season and all the, the conversations we had after that. We just haven't gotten to this stuff. So first of all, we did spend every Friday with the final four and one. And the final standings for the picks for that, by the way, uh, let the record reflect. I went 48-41-1. We had 90 total games we picked, according to Ken Palm projections, and picked it against the spread therein. And you went 40-49-1. So, uh, so uh, good job, I guess, because I expected, I expected worse. Now, we never came to an agreement. Uh, we did it, and it was fun. Next season, we need to have something we do we some sort of fun wager in advance okay maybe maybe you just uh you you buy me a lunch at some point if we ever get to see each other again okay something like uh, like, like like we'll ever be allowed to go to lunch <laughs> again in this country it's over norlander it's uh, over with uh, just uh yeah i know that's not good all right so the other thing that we did have a wager attached to was you probably don't remember this but mm. listeners will in the preseason uh, and give you credit because this was your idea, and I loved it. We made over/under projection picks on the regular season win totals. Do you remember this? I I, I don't remember what I said about anything, but I do remember I I, re- I remember the concept. Sure, that's right. Well, I I have I have the results of how that played out. Now, before I share those, do you remember what the stakes of the wager were? Was it a concert? It was. It was. It was a concert. The the. Oh, lo- like we'll ever go to concerts I, I, in the country. I, it's over with, Norlander. It's over with. You, we'll, uh, I'll buy you a ticket to an Instagram <laughs> live concert. That's the only thing we got going. It's I over. know. I know. This is. Uh, no over one with. could have possibly foreseen what exactly we've gone through here. It's. It's unfortunate. Um. Yeah. That's a. That's a big time bummer. But. Um, we do have, I do have the results and what we picked here and why this works so well is because 
we they, it was only for the regular season. There were no conference tournaments uh, baked into these projections, so we were able to successfully do this. And I want to give a shout-out, by the way, to Matt Grahovac, G-R-A-H-O-V-A-C. Matt, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. He tracked this when we recorded it, and then he reminded me in a direct message a few weeks back of what actually hit and what missed and how we both wound up. So, you ready? I'm going to assume you won, otherwise you wouldn't be bringing it up. You you could be assuming incorrectly. We agreed. We made picks on 14 teams. We agreed on six of them in terms of whether we both said they'd be over or we both said they'd be under. The teams we agreed on were Duke, Carolina, Nova, Virginia, Louisville, Texas Tech. The other eight we disagreed on. I'm going to roll through them right now. First team, Gonzaga. Over under, 27.5 wins. We both took the under. We lose. Gonzaga won 31 games. Number two, Memphis. Preseason projection. What do you think it was? I don't know. Just but regular it season. Pre- it was up there pretty good. 26 and a half. We, they won 21 games. We both win. We both said they would be under. Duke, 25 and a half. They went under. They went 25. I had it right. You had it wrong. I had under 25. You had over 25. Michigan State, also 25.5. We flamed out. We both had the over. They only won 22 games. Kentucky, we agreed. They won 25 games. The over-under was 24.5. We both said Kentucky would be over, and we were correct. Uh Uh-oh. Next one. You got it. Oh, my gosh. North Carolina in the preseason was projected (laughs) to win 24.5 games. Actual wins, 14. I went over. That's a miss. You went under. You hit it. Nova, 24.5. Under, I was correct. Over, you were incorrect. They won 24. Just a few more here. Kansas, we both got it. We both said they'd win more. They did. It was 24.5. Virginia was 23.5. You were right. I was wrong. They hit 23 wins. I had the over. You had the under. Um, Louisville, congrats, GP. You had the over correctly. They won 24 games after the preseason mark was 22.5. I had the under. We both landed correctly on the under for Ohio State. It's amazing how close this stuff is, by the way. 22.5 in the preseason. They won 21. We both hit Texas Tech. I went under. I played it right. They were 22.5. They won 18 games. You had the over, so you were incorrect there. And then the last two, we both got the first one right. We both got the second one wrong. We were both correct at Maryland, over 20 and a half wins. The Terps won 24, much to the chagrin of Terrapins fans. And then the last one we did was Arizona at 22 and a half. They won 21. We both said they'd win more. They won fewer. We both got it wrong. And after all of that... We both went eight and six. Ah. Both went eight and six. So there's no ticket buying anyway. It doesn't matter because concerts might not happen again for like seven years. It is what it is. We wound up tying. And uh, shouts to Matt for let it, for uh, for doing that. He also said, if you're going to do a tiebreaker, may I suggest incorporating some sort of athletic competition in which your dead leg and Parrish's tennis elbow is involved? Not a bad idea, except my leg is fully healed at this point. So I think I would win because Parrish... He's still holding out here. Unfortunately, again, like his tennis elbow situation, that's an elective surgery, so he's not even able to get that done for who knows how long. Before we wrap up the pod, GP, I'll throw it back over to you. How you doing over there? How is your tennis elbow situation? I think I'm good. Okay. Like, I, I, 
I over the past three weeks probably I've just and it, I'll give credit to the doctors. Here's what they said to me. They said you have to do these exercises, ice, you know, aspirin, that kind of stuff. They said, but this is weird because this isn't the way things usually work. But one day you'll wake up and it'll just be better. It it, it won't gradually get better. It'll just not be there someday. And my left one healed back during the season. I just woke up one day and I recognized my, my arm's not hurting. This is nice. And um, my right one is, I can tell you this, because you spend a lot of time at home now, with, you know, playing a lot of catch with the boys, um, you know, shooting hoops, that kind of stuff. I, can, I, I just noticed one day I could throw a ball. I'm not exaggerating. Two months ago, I could not throw a ball. I I, like I tried to go to Mike Conley's charity bowling thing back in whenever it was, late, uh, like, I don't know, like, or, I don't know, like October, and I could not bowl. I couldn't roll a ball. But now I went in my backyard over the weekend and I swung a golf club. I could because I wanted to see if, if I could go play golf. If we're ever in a position to play golf again, I can swing a golf club. I, I I can still feel some tension in my right elbow. My left elbow, I feel nothing. My right elbow, I still feel some tension. But I can do everything I need to do right now with both arms. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Just I'm trapped at home though. Can't do can't do nothing. But like if we ever get to a point in in time where we can do things again, I'm gonna be ready to go. All right, I, I like that. You and I have played golf together, by the way. We played out in Vegas, and uh, I, I hope that you can get back. Because that's actually, I'm with you on that. Um, we can't get out of bad weather here in Connecticut. Actually, as I record this podcast, like it's really windy, and it's been raining sheets all morning here. We're waiting for one 65-degree day. But if the courses allow for it, yeah, it'd be nice to just get out, walk, get that, uh, get that kind of thing done. And, and I'm glad to hear that you're, that you're on the mend. When we played together, by the way, real quick, I mean – when I say you and I played golf together in Vegas, what what's the first memory that comes to mind? It was 174 that's, degrees. That's correct. All right? That's, and the clubhouse was closed. That's correct. Do you remember? The, the, I walked inside. I was like, yo, man, uh, we're just going to get a couple of Gatorades or waters or whatever. And he was like, um, well, the, the restaurant's closed. I'm like, the restaurant's closed. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well – it's so hot outside that we're going to die. And he, and he looks at me and he's like, ah. and, and I said, well, listen, I'm not asking you to cook me something. Like you, I'm looking at a, at a fridge of Gatorade right there. I would just like to purchase those. He's like, eh, no, we're closed. I'm like, you got it. Like, are, is this a prank? Yeah. You won't sell me that thing that I'm looking at? It was bad for a won't. minute. We talked him into it though. They got it done, it, right? That, we would not have been able to play if that was not, there was no shot that was going to happen. If we didn't have any sort of Gatorade or drinks, not, no shot. No. It was like the guy, would, but I didn't remember that we actually got it resolved. We did, um, yes. But like he, the, the idea that he was reluctant to, to provide us with water for cash was just like, dude, we are, it, it, we're in the desert. It's the middle of the day. So uh, yeah, we we played uh, we played golf. It was uh, it was enjoy it was enjoyable, and I look forward to doing it again someday. Also, I look forward to like eating lunch in a restaurant again someday and going to a concert someday. Uh, I'm right there with you, buddy. All right, buddy, you want to you do the shouts? Shouts to Devin Downey, to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, who just celebrated a, a birthday. Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Somebody, somebody tweeted. Hold on, real quick, real quick. I know we got to go. That. It is of my see. It's I, I. Someone draw drew our attention to it. Also, someone drew our attention to a cartoon that had the phrase "Flying Dutchman" on it. I don't even know what's going on. But it, when I saw it, I, I like I checked and I was doing a bunch of other stuff, so I forgot to follow up with it. It is my opinion. 
that that such a thing doesn't even get put out there if not for this podcast. I think that we have increased Terry Teagle awareness around the country, and rightfully so. He's the legend and deserves to be recognized as such. He's the legend. Terry M.F. and Teagle. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. That's all I've ever asked. And we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+.